0: All right. Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. i super pumped for this episode. Um, this is episode 91. We have Colin uh, on, on the podcast with us. Uh, I actually did your podcast, um, Innovators Anonymous, which is awesome. Uh, for anybody out there that's listening to Apex Vaulting Podcast, check out his podcast. I, I really like it. You have a lot of different types of people on there, and you put out a lot of good information. I, I feel like you know, you've had episodes about like just athletes talking about how they've made it, like what, what got them to be successful. And then you cover all kinds of slew of topics. And then I, I really like also that y- you do a good job of covering track. I feel like there's not enough people that do a good job uh, covering track. And before we get into the meat of this podcast, uh, just for everybody out there. You know, you can follow us on The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram. Um, We're Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And if you like this podcast, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just Apex Vaulting. Or uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, which, again, it's the Apex Vaulting podcast. And I know we're real close to Christmas, so I don't even know if this is possible. But maybe after Christmas, um, we're doing a promotion uh, with uh, Sean Francis. If you use the promo code APEXPV you get a discount and then also there there's funds that go towards apex so if you feel like getting a cool pole gift for someone you love um, and you also enjoy apex and would like to help us out please use that promo code and get something off of sean's website sean francis is an amazing contributor to the pole vault world um there's there's very few of us out there colin um so to start I, I put out a tweet the other day i was talking about high school sports in new jersey and there's info that came out this week. Uh, head coaches were getting emails from the NJSAA and Bill Bruno, the director of track and field in New Jersey. And on this uh, document, you know, it said that one that this is uh, this is funny because I found out more after that tweet went out, Colin. Uh, mm. One, they didn't really put out much information on how they're going to run the distance races. It sounds like the distance races are going to go status quo like pre-COVID. Yeah. But the sprints, you have to run a lane apart. Apparently, that makes it safe. Um, and there's not going to be any pole or high jump. Um, and and the, the language on the email was like, well, we can't disinfect the mats after each attempt because uh, it will void the warranty. Uh, one, as one coach said to me, he goes, I didn't know there was a warranty on the mats to begin with. <laughs> Two, I definitely understand like from over the years speaking to some of these manufacturers and stuff like that you know, they're very big on like, look, if you if you put something on the foam, like you spray the foam or something like that, that could degrade the foam, and it will wear your mats out earlier. Now, how quickly that happens? I I don't know. So they're definitely going to tell people don't do that, right. But I also don't understand why you even have to spray down the mats. Um, you know, we, we know now that like the surface contact stuff is not really a big deal. So I don't know if that's such a big issue. And then on top of it, in my tweet, I put, well, basketball is going to play football is going to play. It's also looking very, very, uh, very close that wrestling will be allowed in New Jersey. So you're going to allow wrestling, but you can't have pole vaulters pole vault. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. What were your thoughts when you saw that tweet, Colin?
1: Yeah, it uh, it's it's strange to me. because um, for, for me, big big things consistency. Uh, I know we were talking yeah. chatting before. Um, I I personally, I from the science that I've seen, it looks like the the surface contact might not be. You know what it what we thought it was in the beginning i right uh, honestly i'm not a medical professional so i want to make sure people know uh just based off what i've read it looks right. like that's not a yeah it's, it looks like it's right. not a thing but
0: I, yeah. I i think if we go back to march you know it's like i remember people who were like literally leaving the groceries outside for like 12 hours or something you know what i mean like they were trying not to yeah. like bring stuff in the house and people were like wiping everything down you know and then we got to a point where it's like okay this is probably not how people are getting it you know so it's like you know times have changed uh, but continue i cut i cut you off
1: no yeah so um with that being said like yeah like like you mentioned it's the it's the consistency that's been the biggest issue for me with sports and it seems like the the quote-unquote well not the quote-unquote because they are the, the revenue generating sports get a pass for for things right which which they have and, and for certain aspects of of you know, athletics, I can understand that because without basketball or football to a certain extent, other non-generating on non-revenue generating sports wouldn't be able to happen. So like for certain, certain things, I understand it for this is like where I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, especially when it comes to an individual event, like because then I just just now thought of well, if we're not going to have anything that has you know close contact because you want to avoid that, okay. Right. Well, then we would also probably have to get rid of long jump and triple jump because you're jumping into sand, and what if you? I mean, you got well, your body, you're laying in sand around, jumping yeah, around. So just you know. just
0: so you know, I I don't know if you know, but in Jersey, the the thing is in indoors they don't have. At States, they don't have long jump and triple jump anyway, because the facility that they've been using uh, for States uh, is the Tom's River bubble. And the way they have the long jump on that track, it goes across the track. So you'd have to run that before. So we traditionally haven't even had those two. Oh, wow. During. An, yeah. I mean, like, listen, that, that's even that's another, a different thing. Yeah, that's another <laughs> topic, you know, but but actually, it'll tie into something that we're going towards because, uh, like we talked about before the episode, it's like, we're not trying to have an episode talking about Coronavirus, right? Like, we're trying to talk about, okay, how are these decisions being made? And you brought up something like, okay, yes, I totally get it. Especially in division one NCAA sports. Cause my tweet was about New Jersey high school sports. So I'm not even sure. talking about what's going on at private gyms or clubs or, or at the college level. This is New Jersey high school sports. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Yes. In D one football and basketball make huge money. And like you said, that supports the whole, the, the whole athletic uh, program across the board. The problem that I I, I even have at this high school level decision is because I had a lot of people comment, like you said, it's like, oh, all they care about is the revenue uh, sports, right? Here's the thing, in high school sports, especially in New Jersey, track generates revenue. Like, I I just want to paint a picture for everybody. So, for example, at the New York City Armory, just so people know, roughly – the rental for the track, if you were running a meet for, I don't know how many hours, it might be three, might be four, I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But it's about 15 grand, right? Now, each team that enters the meet, I think the team entry, and this is per gender, it's not just both, right, is I think about $750, right? And uh, per event, it's about 25, right? I forget what relays are. But um, you'll have something like 50 teams at this meet, right? So it's like, Let's even go conservatively speaking, right? If you if you had forty teams, right? So seven hundred and fifty mm-hmm. times forty that's thirty thousand dollars. But that's just if I'm talking about forty teams total, at like not each gender. We can double that if we have each. And gender most
1: of today. the meets are both, yeah, male and female. Yeah, 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 yeah people, right,
0: right, yeah. right. And and so the thing is, and and you know. So, a lot of money comes into these meets, never mind also the spectator fees. Like when you go to the Times River bubble, obviously the state is running that. I don't know what they pay the Times River uh, district to use that facility, but they, there's a payment going out there. Obviously, you have to pay for officials. I get that. And I've always been big because a few years back, There was an article about the NJSAA and they're like not being transparent enough about the money because as you can imagine, Colin, there's a lot of cash, right? Like when the parents are paying $10 for the entry, that's cash. Where's that cash going? Cash is harder to track, right? Um, So they had a, a, you know, articles, oh, what are they doing with the money? My thing is like, listen, I I don't think there's anything wrong with someone making money in this deal. Like to run something like a New Jersey state (laughs) track championship meet, which there's, um, I think six sectional meets, and then there's like at least that many group meets, and then you have the meet of champs, right? And this is over several weekends, and to organize this, like somebody has to get paid to do that. You don't do that for free, so I don't mm-hmm. begrudge anybody making money, but the, my point is track at the high school level makes money, so why are these decisions being made, Like, the, right? Like your argument at the Division One level, I totally get it, you know, I understand it, well, why is this decision may, being made at the high school level?
1: Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think the, the big, the big part of it that, I mean, it's not even the, the non, the non-financial impacts of mm-hmm. just these, these student athletes not being able to compete one, like it's going to impact, it's obviously impacting everyone across the nation with where you're going to be going into college, but it's also affecting, you know, what, th- like there's some of these people where this is like, this is like they're out. This is like their way to mentally, you know, stay in their thing. Like this yeah. was for me as a high school athlete, like track and field was like definitely a part of my identity. Uh, it was, Hi. it was my favorite part of, you know, my high school like experience. And so by taking that away and, and especially as a pole vaulter, and if I was a, um, you know, a high jumper, if I was a high jumper as well, like if I were to hear, Hey, track is back. I'm like, fantastic. We're able to compete. Right. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah. Not you. It's like, but your buddy that is a sprinter he can and your buddy that's a distance on your throat like they can but you as a vaulter you're gonna have to do individual meets uh like uh you know three mile three hours away and pay for it on your own dime but you can't do it like regular high school i'd be like right wow well there (laughs) i'd that just be that just be crushing because it's like wait so you're telling me certain people can certain people can't but it seems like if there's a risk, it's a risk for everyone. It's not just a risk for, you know, these people that compete in these events. Right, right, yeah, like there's not like,
0: you know, there's not gonna be a separation. It's like, oh, pole vaulters will definitely get coronavirus. This event doesn't, it avoids this event, you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, that's why I've always, you know, been big over the last few years, like talking about how I really think pole vault is kind of almost its own thing. And that's why it's like, look, at least in New Jersey, uh, people are fortunate enough, that there are some options out there um, to do pole vaulting outside of your high school. Um, and that, that's why I've always been big on building up my club as a, as a thing. It's like, it's a lifestyle. This isn't just, you're doing this in high school. You get a scholarship. It's like, no, like you said, you love, you enjoy this. You identify as a, pole mm-hmm. bolter, you know, I don't want to make it sound like a cult. You know, I know sometimes like with CrossFit and certain <laughs> other sports, it's like, ah, oh, all they want to talk about is CrossFit. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's part of your outlet. Like uh, one of my guys, it was so funny. Um, One of my guys recently, he's an NJIT guy. And, you know, he's majoring in engineering and stuff like that. And I could almost tell like towards the end of college, he was kind of like not into pole vaulting like he used to be, you know, it was almost like a nuisance at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. but literally like just, just a few months into his like engineering job, he fell back in love with pole vaulting. (laughs) And now it's like, it's that thing that like, dude, he's had a long work week. He's had been at a job site where some crazy shit went down and you know this, that, and the other. And, and it's like, he gets to come to Apex and it's just like, I could just jump and, and think about this and all that other noise goes away. And so I, I definitely think, you know, I, I, I would recommend to some of those high school kids, try to find something like that. And, and listen, I, I mean, as far as like, if you contact Apex and I'm sure the same goes with anybody else, just be open. Even if you're a kid that's in like financial need, You know what I mean? Like, I I try to help as many people as I can. You you know what I mean? Uh, In any way possible. Just be honest about your situation. I'll I'll try to figure something out. Um, But going back to what we're talking about, like, yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I even like, think about this. Why do the sprinters have to run a lane apart? But uh, as far as I've heard, distance is going to be going on the way it's always gone. I I don't understand how this makes sense, you know? And this to me, and this is what we really want to get to, this comes down to leadership. Track leadership. They're the ones making this decision, you know.
1: Yeah, it's uh for for me and what I think you know this is is it's a lot of like uh it, it's like an, for me it's an all or nothing type thing. It's like if you're going to have sports, like there are ways you could I guess limit like you could say hey we're only going to have certain amount of teams like so instead of having you know 50 60 meets we want to you know limit it so all the meets are only going to be limited to 20 and you can only have certain amount of competitors like those i can i can like i get but it's like once you like if you're if at the end of the day like all of these kids like are going to be getting on the bus together going back home so like let's say there's let's say there's one kid on the distance team that is running in there you know they're doing the two mile right he has coronavirus unknowingly He's going to infect right. everybody that's in that race because they're all running in a circle together. Right, and then that same kid is going to go and talk and hang out with his friends after his race, and then now yeah. those kids got it. And Then he's going to go on the school bus, and now everyone on the school bus gets it. And then like so, it's like if we're and that's like the hypothetical worst case scenario. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's a hypothetical worst case scenario. So if you're okay with, with that. that then you should also be okay with pole vaulters where there's only one person on a runway. (laughs) Like it's like pole vaulting, it's pole vaulting and high jump are the most socially distant track and field events. There are that and the throws, you can't get more socially distanced. You can't be within six feet of someone. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you can
0: literally set it up where it's like, okay, like you don't allow the kids to sit close together and this and that, or have like pods, like teammates can sit together and then the next, you know, whatever. But it, yeah, like you said, it's like, they're going on the runway one at a time. You, you can do this. You can find a way. I mean, I even spoke to some people that are involved in this decision-making. Um, and you know, they kind of were trying to give me a heads up. And I said, look, like you guys know, I have my club. Like I, if you guys want to run like some the especially the, the local schools, do like maybe like just dual meets between pole vaulters, you know, two schools at a time, like talk to me, like, I'll help you guys set that up. Like, you know, I'd I'd, be, I'd love to help out, you know? So, I mean, I even, you know, kind of threw my hat in there and said, you know, th- this is a potential option. So there's options out there if you care. Now here's my thing. And, and I, we started talking about this the other day is I, I think one of my issues with track, you know, is that the leadership tends to be very heavy on the distance side. You know, a lot of head coaches, high school and college, they're the cross-country coach, so they're a distance coach. And then they're the head coach of indoors and outdoors, right? And so it's like, and then even at the college level, this is the same, same pattern. And then obviously as those people go up the ranks, you know, it's like, because who's going to end up becoming, let's say, like, a higher up in one of these track organizations. Like I I forget what the college one is now. It's like USTFCCA or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of letters. Um, You know, those are going to be more distance people, you know, then it's like, who's going to end up becoming an athletic director, a distance person, you know, and it's like, and so on and so forth. And you even look at like the IAAF and, and a lot of the things that they do. It's like, it's a lot of distance people and they're I get it. Like they're promoting their event, but I think they're neglecting the rest of the sport. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I I don't know. Like if, if the NFL, that, that would be like if the NFL, the guy in charge of it was a lineman and they try to make the linemen, the sexy players in the league, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. You can't ignore the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and for, for people that, you know, even aren't too familiar with, with this situation, you can see it on a, on any track and field page or any track and field meet. Uh, even at the, the biggest Olympic events, like watch what, like go to a track meet in the blue moon that they're ever on TV. Right. And then just tune in five different times throughout that three hours. I right. guarantee you every single time that you tune in, it's going to be a distance event. That's going to be on it. Like, or, or yeah. at the best, you might get a sprint event. And maybe if you're really lucky, you'll get like a highlight of a field event. Right. Uh, yeah.
0: So <laughs> They'll show you like the winning throw or the winning jump. And then just like a list of the results. It's like, I, I just, I can't believe it. Cause to me, it's like, you know, I think there are some really great events in, in track and obviously I'm biased. I'm a pole vault coach. I think pole vaulting is really one of the most exciting events in track and field. And I, I think, just looking at how it's like the, at the grassroots level, it's grown in America. I and mean, there's so many clubs around. There's so many people that jump year round. There's so many people that jump past college. You know what I mean? I, I it, it, And it's a shame because I remember even one time I always like hunt down like a LA fitness or something when we travel for nationals. Cause I, I gotta get my workout in. I can't skip. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, the one time I, I was wearing like a track shirt and I, I'm benching and dude, this tall blonde beautiful but super jacked woman like oh my god she was like uh she looked like she could be uh, starring in one of the wonder woman w- movies as one of yeah. those amazonian uh, warriors and she sees my track shirt she walks over she's like oh my god you, you do track i'm like Oh actually i'm a coach uh and she's like oh cool i'm like what D- did you do track she's like yeah i was a hammer thrower for florida i'm like oh that's sick wow. you know like You look in phenomenal shape. Like, do you still do it? She's like, nah, like there's just, there's not a lot of meets. There's nowhere to train. And, you know, so I I took up powerlifting and it's like, that's the thing. Do you know how many track people leave our sport? Because the only thing available post-collegiate, 5K. Go always find a 5K. You can Mm. always find something like that, but you can't find anything for the other events, you know?
1: Yeah, it looks like, I'm, I'm hoping that there's starting to be a train tra- like i'm lucky that it's in pole vault but it looks like with m- like the growth of mondo like mm-hmm. it's like the vault's getting to be a little bigger i remember in september w- w- it's louis laswain i can't remember the where he and oh um, yeah, yeah 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 they wherever that was uh they had the pole vaults on and i guess they had it on it's separate day because they only showed the vault all right. day it was mm-hmm. men and women i'm like this is a dream come true for me. Like this is right. it's three straight hours of yeah. pole vaulting and this would never happen ever. And, I'm right. like, so, and there's also a growing, it's very small, it's not happening a lot, but of like beach vault meets that you've competed right. in, street vaults. Cause it's like, you can have those. They're they're much more few and far between. You could probably take all of the, all of the, you know, beach vault competitions in the last 10 years and you still wouldn't get as many 5Ks as you have in a year. But it's like, it's still i'm I'm liking that we're getting a little bit more, but like mm-hmm. you said, unless you're you know one of those top super athletes it's it's hard to make a living in anything other than distance unless you're you know one of those olympic level guys
0: well right and and just to speak more on that you know it's it's interesting that you brought that up at at Rampo College where i coach uh it's a division three uh we had a kid that he broke the indoor uh indoor mile record for division three he broke the four minute mile and um I think that kid was getting like 20 or 30 grand a year right out of college to keep running, but it's a distance runner. Like the equivalent, like, listen, like breaking the four minute mile is Awesome. Don't get me wrong. And I think that kid is talented. Right. And he can do more, but it's like, I don't know. I would equate that to like probably jumping 18 feet as a male, probably jumping, I don't know, 15 as a female has to be similar level. Right. Mm. I. I don't think any of those people are getting 30 grand out of college. Not a single one, like from a financial standpoint, distance is promoted. It's, it's supported more than any other event. And, and I, and I feel like they're missing out the track and field has so many spectacular stars. Like I even let, let's talk decathlon for a second. Like let's talk promotion we'll go back to that meet that you talked about with Mondo and Sam, but like they have this guy Meyer now who broke the, the decathlon oh, yeah. record which what i can't understand is when um oh my goodness i'm forgetting his name american
1: uh ashton eaton
0: ashton Eaton. yeah when ashton eaton broke the record i feel like a lot of people heard about that now granted he's american this guy's not american meyer but like here's my thing here's a perfect opportunity and i get it ashton's retired right So does Conor McGregor retires every other month. (laughs) How do you not as track and field, if you want to really promote this sport, how do you not go up to Ash and be like, dude, your record was just broken. You know, you can still do it. We want a head to head, or maybe you make a field of like small field, like five guys, right? Like these are five. You could, dude, you could even go back. You know what I'm saying? Like you can grab a Trey Hardy even or a Brian Clay if you wanted, if you thought if they were in close enough shape, you know, and just get this collection of guys and be like, this is a collection of the best in the last 10 years. Who's going to come out on top? And you, you, you don't have any other events going on. It's just the decathlon and spotlight these guys. I mean, you could generate a buzz. You would get enough people watching that. You know what I mean? I, I mean, heck, we, we just saw, um, how much money did Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. make? Too much. And th- way, uh, yeah, I agree. Well, too fine. much. <laughs> they they, they make great. too much money because because for me, if you're an actual boxing fan, that was not a good night of fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if you had nostalgia and you love Mike, I get it. But it's like, if you actually want to see a fight, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. Like, I'll tell you what, that was, that no comparison to Tyson Fury and Wilder, those two fights, that that's professional boxing, you know? But – Anyway, going back to what I'm saying is, like, they have to promote it in that way. And they have to, like, something track always avoids. They, they never want, like, they just want, okay, this is the world record holder. He or she is the best, period. Yeah, but it's more complicated than that. I mean, Colin, I know you follow lots of sports. You're not just in the track bubble. You know, this is why it's so hard to pick an MVP at the yeah. end of the season in any other sport, right? Because you can't just look at numbers. There's more to it than that like sure Meyer just you know he's he's broken Ashton Eaton's record but I don't know what happens when they go head-to-head you know what I mean? and it doesn't even matter what they actually score right like what if not neither of them in this head-to-head break the world record to me it wouldn't matter it's that we get to see them head-to-head we can see who's mentally more tough because they're so mm. close you know what I mean like people forget how close these records are you know
1: yeah it's like um I kind of look at it like um, like you can't, that's like when people compare like in basketball for people mm-hmm. that look at basketball more. It's like, well, that's why people have these debates on who's the greatest of all time because there's, right. these, you know, there's these nuances of it's like, oh, well, is it just championships? Well, then it's not Jordan and it's not LeBron. It's Bill Russell because he has right. the most championships. Is it who right. scored the most points? Then it's Kareem. And it's like, right. oh, but you see, it's not just who has this stat, like how world record, it's just who's the number one. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, so does that mean that um, Tiago Braz is the best vaulter in in Olympic history because he broke it? I mean, he that's all he jumped once really well. And he hasn't come close to it since. Right. I wouldn't say he's the best Olympic vaulter of all time. Right.
0: Yeah, he would be the equivalent in music to a one hit wonder. You know what I mean? Unlike Wu Tang Clan, who you have in the background, <laughs> they're not a one-hit wonder. They're they they are one of the greatest severs, You know, album after album. Right. Exactly. But yeah, Ti- Tiago's ju- just just so a one-hit wonder at this point. Now, if he does something and trains really hard this year, and somehow. If you were to win this Olympics, I mean, I would have never guessed it last time. So I
1: wouldn't either, yeah. You know,
0: so it's like maybe then he changes the conversation. But right now he's a one-hit wonder. But again, what we're bringing into the conversation is this nuance, right? And and even the other day, like the meet that you're talking about, um, bo- both Sam and uh, Mondo jumped over six meters, right? And World Athletics, uh, their Twitter, they posted it's like, oh, my God, like best – you know, pull me ever two guys jumping over six meters. And I'm like, yo, like, that's great. That's awesome. But can we bring a little bit more depth to this conversation? I was like, why are we not talking about who has the most wins this season? Why are we not talking about win loss records? What about head to head? Or even who's more clutch? Who has more wins that's just by one bar or less? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you win by attempts or you win by one bar. That shows that you're clutch. And what I even brought up, I like reposted it and and added a little bit on my own Twitter page. And I was like, like Sam, I always felt like he was that, that dude, like if it was going to come down to one bar, Sam was going to win. And Mondo, even though he was even younger before he broke the world record, he's wildly talented and you know, that's there. He wasn't winning those meets. Like, you remember when he lost NCAA? Uh, Yeah, NCAA was
1: going to say that,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. He lost Chris Nielsen, right? It's like, when it was close, I don't know, Mondo wasn't getting there. The first time he did something magical was that European championship. And now Mondo's kind of taken over. Now he wins those one-bar meets. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but nobody wants to have this conversation. We just want to, Mondo's the best world record holder done. Conversation over, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... As as it goes on, it's it's a little di- for me. It gets difficult with the Mondo thing because he's just been so dominant, and like I and since he's so young, even though his athlete age is old, like he's probably the same athlete age as like Sam, or maybe a little sure. older since sure, he's been doing it since he's five. Even he's only what he's twenty, twenty-one years old, yeah, and something like that, and he's one of the best athletes and as of recently he's just been super clutch like he's he's clearing these he's starting competitions at bars nobody would think they'd start competitions at like he's coming in later he's jumping high his hip height on some bars are insane and so like i'm like i thought it would be a little more competition to be honest like i Mm -hmm. thought that sam would have progressed more over the years because i remember what in 2000. 15 or whatever when sam kendrick's first jumped six meters yeah like, i was like boom he's gonna he's i thought he had a chance to really you know go for one of those world records and he's just been he's been consistent at that five ninety six meter esque mar he hasn't made that jump which i think mondo is making and is making it harder for us I, to say who has a better record well mondo is undefeated this year if he continues doing what he's doing, he probably will be next year too. Right. So I'm well, like, let's get the competitions going on a little bit. Well,
0: this is where, again, you know, to add depth to this conversation, it doesn't always come down just to Mark's. Let's talk mentality for a second. I remember even a young Mondo, like he was still in high school, talking about the world record. Like yeah. his goal was always like, I want to go where no one else has gone. I want to do stuff that no one else has done. And Sam – and listen, I'm gonna I'm going to give him some credit. I really love, there was this one article where Sam goes, my mentality going into a championship meet is stay within yourself. A lot of times those guys that are trying to overreach, you know, do more than, you know, get on a bigger pole than they've gotten on or this or that, they end up crashing and burning. You got to just stay within yourself. And if you just do what you can normally do, you'll, you'll come out on top on that meet. And I love that mentality. I think that's a great mentality, but at the same time, and this is what I've told people, here's the deal, right? Like, now let's let's talk sponsorship, right? Because this, this is where we have to talk about this and, and, and think about how track works, right? A lot of these guys and gals are getting appearance fees when they go to these meets, right? Yeah. Sam is clearly number one in America, right? Mondo is, and again, as far as a business decision, super smart, the best in Sweden, right?
1: I was You're, so upset when I heard he was going to Sweden, but yeah, it, make, it yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But I was like, damn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And then you have Piotr Lisek, who he's the best in Poland, you know, and then Renault is the best in France. These guys are number one in their markets. And that's what people need to understand, right? Like, even, you know, think about Puma sponsoring Mondo. It's it's smart. They're trying to get into that Swedish market, right? Like, if they can start to, you, I mean, imagine, imagine like Nike loses Sweden as a market. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's huge, right? N- now we're getting into this. This money stuff, which we can even go back to that high school talk that we were having in a minute. But like, you know, this is the thing. That, you know, as long as those guys are number one in their market, they're still gonna get their sponsorship. Right? Mm-hmm. As long as they're number one. It doesn't matter, I don't think, what order those guys finish in, as long as they're in the top, right? And I think for for Sam, you know, thinking about that article where he says, okay, like as long as I stay within myself and and listen. For a long time, that was winning for Sam. He didn't have to really jump higher. He didn't have to try to figure something out to get on bigger poles. What he was doing was winning. Now, here's the rub. Clearly, at this point, Sam has to know Mondo is way ahead of him. Sam has to do something. If he he plans on winning the Olympics this summer, something's got to change. I don't yeah. know what that is. Do you try something different strength and conditioning wise to get faster? You know, do, do you try something different, maybe carry or takeoff wise to grip a little higher? Like so, something's got to change or else I, you just, unless you're comfortable get finishing second to Mondo, you don't care about winning, you know, yeah.
1: I yeah, mean, what, um, what are your,
0: what are your thoughts on this kind of breakdown the way, let me explain it.
1: Yeah, I. I've always had an issue just with, like, rivalry-wise. Like, I wish that that was, like, a thing. Like, uh, I know we... I'm thinking of it, like, it doesn't have to be... Lakers, Celtics, or it doesn't have to be. Yeah, a, we
0: don't need to see a fist okay, fight at the meeting. No,
1: we don't need to see that stuff. But like, there, I'm even looking at individual sports that have better rivalries than ours. Um, even lopsided rivalries with mm-hmm. Sh- uh, Maria. Uh, no, wait, Maria. Wait, Sharapova and Serena Williams. It was yes. a lopsided rivalry where Serena right. Williams won every time, yeah, but she people dominated. still tuned in. Uh, right. Nadal and Federer. That was an, a great rivalry. Is a little more even, but like people would, whenever they saw those two were competing, they wanted to watch because they right. knew they were two at the top.
0: Well, and and, the, and, and and what I love about the two comparisons you just picked, right? Because there's su- such polar opposite uh, uh, rivalries. I think uh, Nadal, right, and Federer, they had a kind of mutual respect. I mean, they definitely wanted to beat each other, but there was a mutual respect. I don't think that was there for Sharapova not and Serena Williams. Yeah. You know, they 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 did not like each other. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes like even in that lopsided one that you're saying, people want to tune in. It's like, can Serena keep smashing her? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, you're right. I, I don't – if you are talking about promotion, right? Like we talked about promotion before. How do you not promote these rivalries? How do you yeah. not promote this? It's like Sam had the upper hand for a couple of years, and now Mondo, the young buck, is not the young buck now. Now he's the man, you know, in the sport.
1: Something that I really, I love that they did and I hope that they learn from something they did well was this year's like that garden classic thing they did Mm -hmm. with the men and the women. I think that was perfect because you're taking the three biggest names in your sport right? and you're having them go head to head to head and competing and you're making it an event. Like you're making, like it's an actual competition. It's like how they have the golf thing with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and it's the top guys. Like it's the same thing you're doing it with pole vault. I think that they can, Like, that's a great premise. You need to just tweak it a little bit and like make that your event. Make that your Tyson versus...
0: You know what would be my
1: biggest tweak? What?
0: I would make you announce it.
1: (laughs) I'd love it. Sign me up. Yeah, because
0: I think you would be critical.
1: I think you would
0: talk about the stats. You would talk about what's going on in the meet and and you would would lay it out there. I think sometimes uh, track, like you said, why, why don't we have those rivalries? Well, I guess people are too worried about being nice. You know what I mean? It's like, but the job of an announcer is not to be nice. The job of an announcer or commentator is to give people information, give people information and enlighten them to things that maybe they can't see. Like, in fact, I, I couldn't believe how quickly the commentator was okay with a tie like, I, I just couldn't believe that. He's like, yeah, that, that's okay. It's a tie, yeah. you know? And it's like, and, but what I loved was you see Mondo in the background. Mondo He's like, go again. yeah, I, I'm going to take another jump. I'm not tying. Like, let's go, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's funny. At, Cause I think, I think there are rivalries in our sport. They just don't allow us to see them. We don't hear the honest <laughs> truth. I remember hearing from a professional, uh, right. Um, off podcast talking about this. I was like, man, it shocked me when Mondo won Euro champs and Renault finished third to see Renault just run over and hug him. And I was like, what? You just lost. You just got spanked, dude. Like he, like Renault jumped uh, 595, which was really good for him that year. That was, I would say, Renault's best effort that year. And he really laid it all line. And you still got spanked, not just by one person, but by two. And you're over there hugging people. I, I don't know about you, Colin, but I would be flipping out. I would have flipped a bench. I would have threw my pole into the, you know, into yeah. the turf, you know, whatever. I would have been angry. And, and this is what this professional athlete said to me. They said, no, no, no. He ran over to hug him because he still wants to be in that photo. You know what I mean? He, he wants to take some shine and make sure that people know he's still in the scene, which I would also argue if you flipped the bench and threw your poles into the turf, <laughs> I think that would, that would have made more news, but You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, so there there are rivalries here, but I think things are being portrayed a certain way. And I, what I don't get is it's clearly not working. You know what I mean? I remember being um, I was on a phone call with another professional athlete and they were talking about when last uh, fall, there was a big meeting with a lot of the diamond league athletes and they were talking about like numbers are going down, you know, they're not getting the attendance they used to. Well, I mean, Colin, if if you were training for a season, and you're starting to grip lower, starting to get on smaller poles, I mean, you know you have to make change, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like um, I think. Well, a personal thing is, I wish that the Diamond League, maybe it's just where it is. I wish the Diamond League did more in the United States. Uh, I think like they have what the pre. I think the Pre Fontaine Classic is like the right. only one in the United States. Yeah. Like, I think that you're you're missing out on, on a huge, uh, sorry if that's, uh, that's too loud. Let me turn that off. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I think that they're missing out on a, on a huge market being over here in, in track and field, uh, in the United States. So that, that's just first why one thing that I think could be, you know, a potential fix that's kind of selfish of me also. Cause I would love, I would, I'd love to be able to go to some of these meets, yeah, to yeah, see yeah. Mondo compete, I but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't run that, but yeah. Like I remember in 2016 in the Olympics when, uh, Tiago beat, um when tiago beat uh yeah he was pissed <laughs> like because yeah. at first he just beat the record he broke the record a sec like a sec, so right. he's like good won the olympics i'm the only pole vaulter to ever go back to back in the pole vault for the olympics yeah. i am the guy i'd be yeah. feeling really great too yeah and then tiago beats him and he's just like and he leaves. He doesn't, he doesn't congratulate him. No, do yeah. We, when they had the medal stand, he didn't even go with the flag. He just stood. like He was upset. Yeah. Do you think that would have happened if that was Mondo right now this year?
0: I don't know. Well, I so know. Th- that's an interesting thing, too. And, and just the way you laid that all out, I, I think what happened to Renault is, like, he let his guard down. You know, he thought the competition was over because he had a very, very good attempt at 6.03 on a first attempt. They just nudged it off, and that left the door open for Thiago. And then Tiago clears a, a, on his second attempt, and which was his third and final attempt, yeah. right, because he passed. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that's what happened. He thought he won. He, he He's like, dude, there's no way this guy's clearing this bar. There's just there's not a chance. And what I feel like, again, no one talked about this. He let down his guard. Like, why, why did you relax? Did you feel like, I would have been asking Renault the question afterwards. I would have been like, do you feel like you let down your guard? Were you relaxed? Did you think you won already? Like, is that why you lost today? You know, you you put your foot off the gas pedal, you know? And it's like, make him answer that question. Ah, But man, we, we, we deal with everybody in in track with kid gloves. You know, it's like, these are adults, they're professionals, but we got to put the kid gloves in. Can't, can't criticize someone like that.
1: Yeah, I think the media like asks a lot of softball questions in track and field where that doesn't happen in other sports. Like if if LeBron James scores 10 points in an NBA finals game, he is going to be asked, LeBron, you scored 10 points in a finals game. And you lost, and now you know you're you're not the champion. What happened there? He's going to get asked that question. Right. But if but if you know Renault or uh, Sam kent whatever like has a bad performance or, or messes up at a big meet, they'll be like, hey, like uh, you know, good try there. Like, what are you most looking forward to next meet? It's and like, wait is- a minute, like this is a guy who is at the top of his sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a world record holder, or if not Renault, it, you know, the, the general yeah, yeah. like theme goes along. Right. You're not asking him, hey, w- why did you bail on your third attempt knowing that you needed to win? Otherwise, this other guy would beat you. Like, what happened? Like, yeah. Like, or,
0: or, or even like, wh- why did you have an off day today? Like, did something yeah. happen this week? Are you injured? Did you not train hard enough? Did you go out last night? Like what's, what's the deal? Like, so this is not, not normal. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, you don't, you don't get those questions. And, and heck, I think the going out thing, I mean, I don't know what you've heard through the grapevine, mind, but it's like, you know, over the years I've heard like the pole vultures, uh, you know, tend to enjoy themselves sometimes. And it's like, and and here's my thing as a fan, right? It's like, all right, like, like you talked about, it's like, yeah, I, I've been fortunate enough. I, I went, I've been to the Milrose games when they were at Madison Square Garden. I actually got to see Elena Zimbayeva perform. I think she oh, did wow. like 15-7 that day. And this was before she did her final world record of 16-7. It might have still been like 16-5 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she did great. Um, she looked awesome. And then, um, you know, I went to Icon Stadium, very bad experience watching pole vaulters. And, and, and granted, it was like drizzling a little bit. But like, I don't even care how high they jumped, but it's just like, the pole vultures look miserable to be there. It's like, bro, the fans paid money to watch you perform. And then I'm sitting in the stands. I'm sitting in rain too, dude. Like (laughs) I and I still came out to watch you. I'm excited. And you're over there. You look like it's like the worst day ever. Like you don't want to be here. It's like, dude, put on a show. Like, what are you upset about? Like, I I don't get it. And I remember, again, I remember talking to a professional athlete about some of this stuff. And it's like, I don't, I don't understand, like there needs to be a like meet meeting before the athletes go out into the track, be like, understand people paid money to watch you today. You go out there and perform. I don't want to hear about the tailwind or headwind. I don't want to hear about the ring. I'm like, obviously if it's unsafe to pole vault, we don't pole vault, Right. But like, if it's deemed safe, and here's the thing that I feel like people don't understand. It's like, we don't care how high you jump today. Just jump. You're all jumping in the same conditions. Who's going to come out on top? Who can deal with this the best? Now, you don't want to jump? That's cool. Don't jump. But like, everybody's dealing with the same thing. And and I I've I've been trying to get people to understand this. I think as fans... It's not so important. Like we got to stop talking about just the overall height. Like if I see like, this is the 10 best women in the world pole vaulting today. I don't care if the winning height is 15, but what I do care about is seeing people that are intense and going after it. Cause I don't know about you, but like just looking at the results and like I was at that Icon stadium meet, which it Mm -hmm. was a diamond league meet uh, by the way, because Icon used to host them, but they stopped obviously. But like Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the fact that, the people are not trying. It's like, it's, Oh, the weather's bad. And you can just tell like some people are just, you know, mailing it in. They're not, they're not trying. And that, that's a problem there. There's going to be a huge disconnect between athletes and fans on that.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah for for me um so like i think there's different there's obviously different levels of fans like there are different levels of fans in every sport like sure so for me personally like i'm i love getting into the numbers and seeing oh let's see uh, oh like mondo jumped six meters and he jumped 559 like i like i like knowing the winning heights and what people did but for the for the most part like you just want to the people that is like the average track fan which is still knows a lot about the sport it's like or if you want to get new fans you just want to see a good competition like like Personally, like, yeah, I would love to see three vaulters jump over six meters yeah Uh, like I would love to see that but like if you're there if for the fan that is new this is their first time watching they want to see a guy that's like hey let's get the clap going let's get it going and then let's run and jump and even if I clear my opening bar on my first or third attempt I want to go I want to see that person like going like getting excited and I want to hear the announcer saying you know that was a great jump like he's doing well this guy might you know he might win the competition because this other guy looked flat in warm-ups like I want to hear that as a new fan like as a, you know, they, you don't need to know, oh, this is the, the highest overall jump of all time. Like in right. basketball, like, oh, this is the most point, like the most assist ever given. Like, well, and it's great and, to know, but not need to know. And then you can also
0: add more nuance, right. And more complexity. So even for the fan that is all about stats and, and really breaking it down, you might, well, you know, it's like, let's say as an example, like, oh, well, Mondo only jumped, you know, five eighty five at X meet. Oh, but that was like in a bad weather condition, very high winds or, or rain. And it's like, and then it's like, okay, well, yeah, he jumped 585 that meet, but this other dude whose lifetime best is only 597. He actually jumped 592 that day. And so it's like right now, if the wet and the way the weather's looking this week, it yeah. looks like another bad weather meet. Who's going to come out on top? Is Mondo going to be able to deal better with the the conditions or is this other guy who did better in bad weather earlier in the season going to win? And so like that adds some more depth to, to our conversation. Like I even, I think about, um, gosh, uh, which was the London Olympics? Was that 2008?
1: 2012.
0: 2012. Yeah. That was the one that Jen Sher won. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even care that Jen didn't jump super high. I think the winning height was fifteen seven. But what was amazing was it was bad weather and she was able to deal with it. She came out on top. And, and I'm pretty sure then uh Silva from Cuba came in second. And then uh Elena got bronze, which Yelena it was bad weather. I don't know what the heck the problem was, but she maybe she just wasn't into it. I, I have no idea, but she obviously didn't deal with the, the situation as well. And and here's Jen, who, in my opinion, right? Like, although you know she didn't jump as high as is in Baeva, um, you know. I think Jen is one of the toughest vaulters ever. You know what I mean? Like when you think about the training, where like Rick would wake her up at like five o'clock in the morning or something, Mm -hmm. and they'd be training. in like I
1: remember seeing those videos that she made a long time ago. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like Rick really developed that mental toughness in her. You know what I mean? Uh, So I, I, you know, it's like these are conversations that we have. It's like okay, like Elaine is the world record holder, but who's the most mentally tough vaulter? Jen, like that. I I would almost argue that. Jen is the most mentally tough vaulter on the women's side ever way ahead than Yelena is the world record by Mark. You know what I mean? Um, So it's like, these are conversations that that can be had and we can kind of talk about it's like, okay, like, well, what, you know, what is going on and break it down even more, you know?
1: Yeah. Like I, something that, that, that just brought up in in my head or like, there's two different vaulters. There's the vaulter. That's like the screw it. I can vault with, give me a pole, give me Mm -hmm. shoes. It can be raining headwind. It doesn't matter. Just brute force. You can do what you want. I like to think that's like Matt Ludwig when he won the national championship, it was bad weather. It wasn't great. I remember actually interviewed him and he said that he rolled his ankle five days earlier. Yeah. yeah, Ankle Blew up this huge. And like, then there's people like me. I was a pole vaulting diva. <laughs> I was the people yeah. that you hated to coach because if there was a little bit of rain or if you get a crosswind, uh, if my shoes weren't tied tight enough, yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. butterfly
0: slapped its wings on the other side of the track.
1: <laughs> yep. I'm dumb. And I was, I'd admit that. I would admit yeah. that. Like I was a pole vaulting diva. Situations had to be perfect. That's why I liked indoor so much more than outdoor because right. there's, no, there's no rain. And so it's like, yeah. those are things that you can have. Be like, hey. Like yeah, Mondo's the the world record holder, but he historically has done really bad when it's a headwind, and we have a really big headwind today. Hey, San Kendricks historically really great going into headwind, even though his PRs lower. We could see an upset here today, guys. Like right. those are things that you could know, or like it's and it doesn't take that much like research. Like there's you see it on ESPN all the time. Like they have crazy stats like, Oh, this guy, when he eats a chicken sandwich for lunch on a Thursday and he walks onto the court with his right foot, he scores a triple double every time. Like we have, we already have those just do it in pole vaulting.
0: Right. Well, and again, I think the other issue, it it goes back to where we kind of started with this is when the majority of your leadership is distance and they don't understand the other events. They don't even like, listen, I, I would, I love some distance runners. But I like the distance runners like David Goggins, who's an ultra marathoner, who was a Navy SEAL, who that guy is as hard as it gets, like tough, tough dude, right? But that guy does a lot of strength training too, you know? I I think you even look at the distance community in track and field. I mean, like they still, I don't think understand strength and conditioning that well, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so now you look at these other events like sprinters, like throwers, like pole vaulters, where it's at a different level. They're doing a different thing and they just don't understand those communities. And I don't even think they understand the psychology of those communities. Like, I don't know that a distance uh, uh, guy can understand a person like Christian Cantwell, who used to throw the shot for the US. I mean, this was like a bear of a human being and he was was going to bite your head off if you said something wrong uh, to him, you know? Um, I think I heard a story uh, from... uh, that was from, I don't know if I heard it, Jeff Hartwig saying it at like either Reno or something, or somebody telling me that Jeff Hartwig said it. But um, at, at USA's one year, I mean, think about this. At USA's, um, Christian Cantwell goes to sit in the stands, but it was like in a roped off VIP area, which was empty. No one bought the seats, you know? And Christian Cantwell takes a seat and like a security guy comes up to him was like, uh, sir, you have to move. This is for VIPs only. And he gets up and flips. I was like, the reason people buy these seats is to watch me. <laughs> and you know, whatever, just stayed there. But it's like, there's a disconnect between the distance community. And I think a lot of these other communities, and there needs to be someone that that can be a go between. And then even when they set up, you know, commentators or whatever for the meets, they need people that actually understand the event and are going to be unbiased. Like, this is real, real old school, but I think it still makes sense today. When you are covering, you know, an event, they always say you can't be a fan. Can't be a fan, right? So, if you're commentating for, you know, baseball, let's say, you can't be really a Yankee fan and commentate and just love everything the Yankee players do. You can't just be like, well, I, I love, I love judge. He's the best outfielder and blah, blah, blah. Makes no mistakes. Like, no, you have to call him out when he does something wrong. And I think yeah. the problem with track commentating is they, they're too buddy, buddy with all the athletes. Like we don't want to make anybody look bad. It's, it's like in track, again, track promotion, they think anything negative is bad. But it's not you. You have to have positive and negative in commentating and in coverage in order to create a buzz and get people to tune in and want to watch. You know what I mean? Like, like, listen, like, imagine you found out it's like one of the top pole vaulters was like a party animal and didn't train hard. It's like, how long can this guy keep this going? He's winning, but this isn't. You know, this is not going to work out. He's
1: gonna.
0: I'm telling you, someone's training hard. They're going to catch up to. Like, they would think, oh, that's negative. We don't want anybody know that about our guy. And it's like, no, that's okay. This is going to get people to tune in. And some people are going to love him because of the partying. And some people are going to hate him for the partying, but either way, they're going to tune in they're going to want to watch, you know? So,
1: yeah, I I think it's the same reason. I mean, you can look at it. It's the same reason that some of these, like, I think of them as like the talking head sports shows like undisputed and you know, the Colin Coward show or Max Kellerman. Like it's the reason that they're so popular and like they can do these shows for four hours a day yeah. every single day It's because they're giving their opinion whether it's good or bad on the subject now i I think that they embellish obviously on uh, yeah. on some of their beliefs for you know in order to you know drum off some some controversy and make it entertaining but right. controversy is what makes things interesting like if you if you don't have any rivalries or if you don't have any you know anything you know interesting to watch like it's like, no one's going to want to, no one's going to want to see it. It's a, it's a small example but I can remember back to high school. Like I had this like little rivalry with this other guy that went to a, a mm-hmm. local high school and, and all of my friends on the team and a lot of my friends that weren't on the team, like knew I didn't like this yeah. guy. Right. And so when we competed and we had our yeah. dual meet, Everyone watched, like, yeah, like, uh, of course, everyone's 50 people on the team, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, people were like, I want to watch this. They never watched any of my other meets, like, they were too right. busy doing other stuff, and so it's like, because you know that there's this tension, right? Because like, you know that there's this like, now, it could be the same thing of like, hey, this guy loves to party or you, Hey, you, we heard breaking news. This guy was out late last night. Like how J- they say James Harden, he flew in from Vegas yeah. to go play the preseason game the next day. Right, right Now right. people want to watch. So it's like, it's the same thing. If you can have some aspect of it, it's going to get more eyeballs, more eyeballs is going to get more money. But if you yeah. don't have the people that recognize that at the top, then it's never going to get done. It's just going to be Hey, our sport's fantastic. Never think, never say anything even remotely negative or controversial about it. Or, you know, you're at the community, which is frustrating to me.
0: Right, right. And, and now, you know, kind of to bring it back to, to where we started. This is why even at the high school and college level, I don't understand what's going on with track leadership. Like this decision that you're going to eliminate some of the most exciting events in track like this is where you have your gung-ho kids like they are doing track year-round because they love pole vaulting they love high jump you know and you're just going to get rid of these events like you're going to actually lose athletes because you're going to get you're going to get athletes who are like really you're not going to do my event all right screw it. i'm gonna go play basketball and then they're not going to do outdoor track possibly you know mm-hmm. and and that's the thing it's like i don't think track has spent enough time trying to figure out how do we make our sport more popular. That's always been on the back burner. What they're too concerned with is like, oh, I want to coach a person to a record and screw everything else. And even at the college level, like, you know, again, going back to like the decisions in D1 and some of these other divisions, like so many track coaches, once COVID hit, you know, I saw them tweeting out, they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to college track? Oh my God, what's going to happen to college track? Now you think about it? So for, it's like, I feel like since I've been coaching track, which is like back in 2005 or something like that, you know, helping Rampo College out, I've been like, dude, we need to make this more popular. We need to get people to come watch the meets. This Mm -hmm. is what's important. Nobody cares about your 25 lap, like indoor 5k or whatever the heck it is. Right. It's like, I listen to this. This is how, you know. This, I think it's indoor 5k, right? That's 25 laps.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I yeah. think so. If it's
0: not 10k, I don't think it's 10k. It's They don't so,
1: do 10k, at least in high school. I yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So anyway, so we're at division three nationals. This is how you know it's a boring freaking race. Okay. You ready for this? Girl crosses the finish line, right? Like they, they rung the bell final lap. She crosses the finish line. She like sits down. Like she won by a half a lap. All of a sudden an official walks over hey, we miscounted, there's another lap. By the time she gets up, two of the girls passed her. Now she ends up in third. And now there's this whole fiasco. Do we count the race a lap down or do we count the ra- the full 5K, right? Yeah. You know, how do they do? And I'm like, if this was that damn exciting, they would know what freaking lap it was. The officials yeah. would, you know what I mean? And it's like, meanwhile, it's like, Dude, it's like, I always, when I was at D3 Nationals, there's always a pack of people watching the pole vault, always, you know, mm-hmm. I think also the four by four, obviously it's a packed house when the four by four is go- going off. Um, I get that. And so it's like, but it's like, I feel like people are not watching and be like, okay, what, what is the highlight here? What, what are we trying to do? No, you have this track leadership that is, you know, wildly distance based and they just keep doing the distance stuff. And then it seems like a lot of the other events are just kind of a nuisance.
1: You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just saw, we just saw it recently. Like, so I'm a part of a few of these track and field groups. And I saw people were like, oh, why they have the additional uh, Olympic event for 2024. And a lot of people were like, oh man, why didn't cross country get in? Like, yeah, let's just add an entirely new distance running event when we already have a ton of distance running event. Like we don't. We don't need it. And like, I've always thought for, for track and field, if you want to make it exciting, let's, let's try to make the meets, uh, maybe not in the high school level, but definitely in like, if you wanted to have actual like professional level meets, you right. got to make these meets instead of three, four day meets, make it like a three hour meet. Yeah. Highlighted by the most exciting competitions like right. pole vault, long jump, hundred, the hurdles, the four by four, the four by one, the meets that the events that people want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pole vault's one of those because it's yeah. it's interesting. Like whether I was right. a fan of it or not, I or whether I was a vaulter or not, I'd say seeing a human fly twenty feet in the air, yeah, that's cool. But it's like, hey, no, we have to respect that. We have to have the ten k going off and it's and running you know twenty laps and like. Sure, I get it, but people are, people will start, they'll watch the first two laps, you'll leave, get some food yeah. and come back, watch the last two laps, and you're just you're just really watching the a mile at that point. So why don't we yeah. just cut the filler of the, the first 20 laps and just have the mile when people actually want right. to see what's going on? But hey, you got to make, make sure everyone's happy, I guess.
0: No, I know. and, and um, I'm sure you remember, again, I think it was last fall, Diamond League announced it was going to cut four events. I think it was no, uh, triple jump. That. Steeplechase and was it the 200 And yeah, I, can't I can't remember fourth. I feel like it was a throw. I don't know which throw It wasn't a
1: dis it wasn't. And and, and to me, steeple steeplechase is the most exciting of the distance events. Bingo.
0: <laughs> Bingo. But but he, here's the thing. And I, I explained this to someone. I was like, but think about it. The distance leadership. All right, we're gonna cut four events. They know they've gotta cut one distance. Otherwise, all the other event groups are gonna be like, screw you like, you know, yeah. so they had to put a sacrificial lamb out there and, and eliminate one. And I think you're absolutely correct. Out of all the distance races, steeplechase is the most exciting. You have those barriers, they got to jump over the water. You know, it's like, there's a lot of crashing. It's exciting. It's exciting, mm-hmm. right? Because you can be leading the race and then you, you're a little fatigued and you, you clip that hurdle, smash into the water and you're done. You lost, right? That's exciting but think about the distance mentality. King is the mile. If you're too slow for the mile, you bump up, you bump up all the way up to the 10 K. And then if you're still too slow, go do the steeplechase. So Mm -hmm. the distance coaches, which then become the leadership of track, their viewpoint is the is for those people who suck at running distance. So if we're going to cut a distance race, which one are you cutting? Well, yeah. I put all the bums into steeple. So let's cut that event. And it's like, no wonder they did that. This is not like, I don't think I'm way off base with this either. When you think about this, this decision-making, which again, going back to my high school situation in New Jersey, this is why they cut the events that they cut. Because again, going back to the finances, let's, let's go a little bit deeper on the meat finance, right? Now I I went over, you know, how much a, a rental is at the armory, you know, and I, and I talked about, you know, seven fifty a team, but here's the other thing too. Most track meets, it doesn't matter. High school, college, post collegiate, the entries are roughly $25. Do you agree?
1: I, 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 I wasn't a coach, but I would, so I would assume so, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah they're, they're roughly $25. Mm-hmm. It's rare that it's higher than that. Right. Maybe 30, 40 bucks tops. Right. The only way $25 works economically where the meet can make money, at least cover costs, is because of the track, right? Like I've been at meets where they literally line up three 200-meter races. They go ready, set, bang. The other The next person gets on the starting line when they're about a half a lap. Ready, set, bang!
1: They do that at the armory like all the time. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I was in one of those races. It was right.
0: Like, so now think about how much money is being made on the track. You know what I mean? How many heats of all these races? Bang, 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 bang. Right. There's no way you can cover this, by the way. There's no way to uh, have meat coverage, and this is why even at the professional level, Diamond League, it's hard to cover these events. Right. But like, this is why $25 entries work. Now let's think about like running a CrossFit event. Or running something like a Spartan race, those entries are roughly $50 to $100 because you have a limited number of people that can compete. I mean, the Spartan races can be huge, but CrossFit events, you can only have a limited number of people. They know in order to make it uh, viable economically, you have to charge $50 to $100. But you've gotten track people used to paying $25, and that's good enough, right? Because on the track, the thing is, you, do, you cannot make a field event economically viable because you can't have that many entries. I mean, think about it. 40 people even in the pole vault, that's a pretty big meet. It's going to take a long time, right? Yeah. At $25 a head, you're not making a lot of money, right? Um, I'm terrible at math. I'm just using calculator. That's, that's not right. Yeah. A thousand dollars. You made a thousand dollars at $40 a person or uh, $25 a person at, with 40 entries. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't, you can't make money like that. So even in pole vault, this is why, like, I feel like people don't understand a lot of times they look at a beach ball and look, I try to keep my event as cheap as possible. Um, when I've run the pole vault club championships, the most I've charged is $40. Right. And we'll get a hundred competitors. Right. So again, that's, that's easy math. I mean, I can do that. That's $4,000 that's not a lot of money. You know what I mean? For, for you to have the the uh, experience you want, right? For an event like that, where there's going to be a DJ, a food truck, good trophies, you know, a lot a lot of buzz, a lot of people running the standards and stuff like that to do it fast. You know, I, I don't make money off that event. That 4,000 pays for the event. I didn't make money. I do it because it's almost promotional for my club, right? But it's like, this is why the track community and, and because it's distance related, they make the decisions. Of course we cut pole vault and high jump. They don't make money off of those events. They make money on the track. But they've never thought about how they could make money on those events. Yeah. Does, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, because like the way that you said it where so if you had a, a competition of 40 vaulters, for that would take you if you had a you had a the best crew of all yeah. time that's going to take you 3 hours yeah. something like that like depending right. on how good the athletes are so 3 hours and you're going to make what 1000 bucks 4000 bucks right you could make that exact same amount of money in the 200 in 20 30 minutes so yeah. That's and right. that's like that's me saying you might even have, you that's including the time where it takes for people to put the blocks up, but in New Balance they don't even let you have blocks, so right. so that's even shorter because right. they they want to get these you know these high numbers of, yeah as fast as possible. They want to yeah. keep these high numbers coming. So it's it's difficult, but I think that it, it's it's so strange because you can make so much money over like just having a million athletes in like a five k, but if you were to say I think more people would pay to watch just a vaulting meet than Correct. they would pay to watch somebody run a 5k. So they're thinking Correct. of it. How can we make money off of the people paying to compete? So right. if you're, if you want to make money on people to pay to compete, yes, do, do marathons, do 5k's. Cause you can have 5,000 people paying 25 bucks and you can have, you can make millions of dollars doing that. Right. But like, why don't we think of it the way that literally every other every. sport is done like yes. basketball doesn't think, well, man, I got to make sure that, uh, you know, these college players are going to be, well, it's going to, they pay 20 bucks to come here, but no, think of it as the people that want to pay to watch, like, right. Hey, I want to pay to watch these athletes compete. And so they're going inst- to, instead of it just being their family members, let's try to get people that are outside of their immediate circle and are fans of the sport, not just fans of the competitors. And that's where I think it gets hard or there's the people a, competing there's, that's where it gets hard huge, to do
0: huge huge disconnect right so so th- again the leadership of track and field is not thinking about that they're not like hey how do we how do we fill the armory with fans no. to watch these not actors? just
1: parents but right fans. Yeah. fans
0: right and and think about it I, even at the division three level like i know at ramapo you know i don't know what the basketball players do i don't know if like they're really like talking to as many people on campus as they can and trying to invite them to games. But like they'll, they'll pack the, the small stands, you know, I mean, there's obviously it's not like Madison square garden. I I don't know what the capacity is like a couple thousand maybe, but like, um, they'll pack the stands for these Ramapo college division three basketball games. People will come out and watch. I'm sure it was the same at your college, you know? And it's like, and yet track at zero level almost, can pack the stands because they've never thought, how do we get people to watch this sport? How do mm. you know? And, and then it's like <laughs> this is what I love. I always try to explain this to people. I think Nike is an example. Nike overpays individual athletes in track, but underpays to sponsor the sport. Meaning, think about this. Nike will pay like a LeBron James, I don't know, $100 million or whatever, right? He's a Nike guy. I would argue they underpay LeBron. Having LeBron gives you so much, right? Like so many people are going to buy Nikes because LeBron is sponsored by them, right? Yeah. Or like, oh my God, like if you think about Kobe or Michael Jordan, right? Having those, they couldn't have they couldn't have paid them enough. You know what I'm saying? Because they're, they're making so much money because of those yeah. guys, right? I would argue that Nike probably doesn't need to pay Sam Kendricks whatever they pay him, right? Question mark. I know it's under a million, right? So anyway, so they pay him that. I don't think he's worth that because how many Americans know who Sam Kendricks is? Not a lot. Right.
1: uh, If you're with, even within the sport, not Right. Like, within track and field. You have oh to, yeah. You I,
0: fans. The, Colin, this is the thing. And I try to talk about professional athletes as often as possible in my club. Like I'll show videos and break down the technique yeah. and we'll talk about it and be like, you want to do what this guy's doing. You don't want to do what that guy's doing. Right. But like, there's so many people like, I'd be like, Hey, who knows who Sam Kendricks is? And there there'll still be people in my club. Like, I don't, I don't know who that is. Right. But here's why they'll overpay a Sam Kendricks. And they'll overpay X, Y, and Z track athletes because now probably for less than what they pay LeBron alone, they actually own the track and field marketplace. Now they could put a nice poster in Foot Locker that has a bunch of Olympic athletes on it and be like Team USA. And now Mm -hmm. soccer mom walks in. She's like, well, I, you know, I want to start working out this week. I need to buy running sneakers. Oh, look, the poster, you know, okay, I'll buy Nike's. And this is what people don't get. And the thing is, this is why a lot of the athletes, they don't have clout. It's like, I'll hear even the athletes talk about things that I'll hear uh, track coaches talk about at the college level is like, you'll have the the athletes tell me, well, the diamond league, or these people need to respect me because I won this meet and I have this medal and I jumped this high or whatever. Like none of that matters. How many asses do you uh, uh, bring to the seats? And something I think, and this is the thing, I don't know if track wants to know this metric, but what they should do when you buy a ticket, you should have to list your top three favorite events and your top three favorite athletes. It'd be real simple. Imagine like you're on Ticketmaster or whatever, getting your ticket, click, 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 click. Now we know that, oh my God, 43% of the people coming to this meet clicked
1: Mondo as their favorite athlete. Mm Well, no, something interesting. So actually to, so go to go off that point. So in 2016, uh, my family and I were, we were lucky enough to go to, to be able to go to the Olympics. Um, and so, yeah, they, yeah, I remember
0: you mentioned that. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: So they, they actually have that there okay. for the Olympics where you okay. buy tickets to see the event that you want to see. Right. So right. Like, right. Hey, if you want to buy, like, they don't have that obviously for other events, which is something yeah, you yeah. could do. So they have the technology to do it. But right, unless it's the Olympics, I don't know if it's the same for other. But you, but Irish, you don't pick the athlete; right? you're just picking the event. Yeah, in right? yeah, that you pick the you pick, it, and they have the pricing dif- like difference based off of the event that you want to see, and so and how popular you, that event is. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you bought the hundred meter package, it's going to cost more than if you bought the shot put package, or it's going right. to cost more than you know the X Y Z package. So they mm-hmm. they have that, so they have the ability to do the numbers, and you could be able to translate that into other meets that you already. Have because you have the systems in place. You could add the extra of you know who's your top three athletes or, or whatever you wanted to do. But yeah, you could do that, and then you would be able to know. Hey, these are where we want to. This is where we want to put our focus for the next you know the next few years because these three athletes are popping every meet they're in. Everyone wants to see them, and it would right. help the athletes because then they'll know. Man, everyone wants to see me. I'm jacking up my appearance fees <laughs> <laughs> because everyone wants to right. see it or, or whatever yeah. it is. So it's like. That's why I think they should do it. One that I've, I've been so frustrated with and I don't know why people don't do it, are why don't we have signature spikes? Like, I, like I was, yeah. I, when I was a college, when I was an athlete, I was like, wait, I see Renault, he has his own logo for Jordan, the own like the air like pole vault, yeah, the Air yeah, pole yeah, yeah. Vault logo. I'm like, why can't you like I have to search the, if I go to Foot Locker, I might be lucky if they have a track spike. I have to buy my shoes online. So it's not like you have to buy real estate in these things. It's like, why don't you have these shoes? So then you could see, oh, this guy's wearing the, you know, the Mondo's, this guy's wearing the Sam Kendrick's, These guys wearing the, you know, whatever.
0: It's, it's so simple. Like, dude, I even think about the pole manufacturers. Could you imagine there was like a Mondo series pole? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be different. It's just wrapped different. You know what I'm saying? Like he
1: uses that yellow pole, so why don't you make that the Mondo, the signature mondo, the yellow yellow wrap?
0: Yeah, yeah. the the, the signature mondo wrap. And and then something I've thought about even for a lot of these like uh athletes, like it requires them to put a little bit of work in, but like, dude, like how come none of them have a t-shirt? Can you get a t-shirt for any of these guys? Like, I don't know about it at the meets. I don't know if the Diamond League sells them or something like that or whatever. But it's like, dude, if I if I was an 18 plus guy or a 15 plus girl, like I would just make a t-shirt. Just make a t-shirt. Like, that's it. Like, you know, just yeah. get a great pick of you jumping and whatever. And, you know, your, maybe your signature, like you said, you know, across it or something like that. It's like, you gotta, like, people gotta start hyping themselves up. And something that I, so again, when I run my meet, Um, I do charge $10 for spectators. Right. And I take that spectator money and both meets I've given all that money back to the winners of the men's and women's open pole vault. Right. Mm -hmm. And my thought process is like, well, you know, the more spectators, you know, the more money that they can win. Right. But if we're really being honest, who are my spectators at the meet? Who do you think, Colin?
1: Yeah, you're getting probably a lot of moms and dads. and
0: Yeah, and they're like coming that. to watch their kids jump. They're not coming yeah. to watch the guy jump 17, right? Yeah. And and the thing that I think even the athletes, just like the track leadership is like, they're they so disconnected from the fans. They're so disconnected of what's actually popular, what could be popular, right? It, it's kind of like, again, you have the Wu-Tang uh, flag in the background, <laughs> so it makes me think about music. It's like, if you're going to be a music producer, you kind of have to have like, a little bit instinct for like what's hot. You know what I'm saying? Like this is hot. People are going to like this. Same thing. You, they have to have a connection. Be like, okay, what do fans like? Like I even think about it. It's like, I don't understand how track hasn't created a playoff system where like, you know, you trim it down and then we get to like these like championship meets, you know, it's like, okay, you got to be top three or top six to move on to the next week. You got to be uh, again. Yeah. And then we have this final championship meet, right? Cause if you want, you want the honest truth. The reason track doesn't do that because they don't want one of their golden athletes to no height or, you know, get disqualified in the early rounds, which that just creates more buzz and creates more opportunities for for other big names to be created. But anyway, I digress. So it's like even, even the athletes themselves, I think they're disconnected with the fact that it's like, if you want to make more money, you need to have more fans. The more fans you have, the more money you can make. Right. So it's like, if I'm, if I'm a pole vault and, and, I, and I, I remember having Chase Brandon on it and, and, and talking about this, this is before he retired. Uh, again, what people don't get, like you said, most people are so they would be early on casual fans of an event. They don't need to see someone break a world record to be ooing and eyeing. You, you and I both know, Colin, you see anyone male or female jump over like 15, 16 feet. That's, that's already freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now if you're like that 18 foot guy and you're starting to get a lot of fans and, you know, you start to build relationships with different pole vault clubs, this and that, they can then run a meet where if there's enough people that will pay to come watch you, maybe just 10. And, and again, you talk to the club owners, right? Like I, I would do this for someone. It's like, all right, we're going to charge $10 or $20, whatever we think will get the most people in. And then we can split this, you know, we, we can talk about the percentages. So now you go in there right off the bat, you're going to get a split of everything that comes in. Plus we take the rest of that money and we add some more prize money on top of it. Right. And it's like, are we talking about millions of dollars? No, but you know what? You might make a thousand dollars in a weekend. Is that terrible? You know what I mean? For some Mm of these people that are jumping 18, 15 feet, you know, on on each gender, it's like, that's a pretty good weekend. I think, you know?
1: Yeah. I think that we, it's, it's that second level of of marketing and that second level of fandom where you get your your very first level which is like the athletes their close friends and their family members and i think that right. i think track does pretty well of being able to get those people to watch where right. If, if I'm competing, my mom tra- my mom and dad traveled to every event. It didn't matter if the, if it was free for them to watch, it didn't matter if it was, Hey, you need to pay 30 bucks to get in this place. Yeah. Like they were traveling to meets and a lot of family members do, especially yeah. if it's local high school college, right. We Don't do very well of getting that next level of fandom, like right. where, Hey, there were people from like when I, when we, when my school, um, Mount St. Mary's made, we had our conference championship for basketball. Mm-hmm. And so ev- the entire stadium was packed. Like it's a, it was a, a, a gym. Gi- it was a fair size gym for a, you know, a small school. It was yeah. sold out. Everyone was there. And then yeah. that same year, we also had an outdoor track and field championship at, at home. Right. Of course, who's there. My two or three friends that support me, my mom and dad, my grandmother, and that's it. Like no, like yeah. no one else is like, it's, it's a wide open facility because we do well of getting those people to meets. But once you, you want to expand as a sport, you got to get the people that just want to see good competition. And we don't do very well because we focus on the events that not people want to watch and focus on marketing, you know, the distance. And unless you got, uh, the guy breaking two hours in the marathon, unless right. Kipchoge is Like I'm, and and even with that, I'm only watching the beginning and the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not, I'm personally not going to be watching those distance events. And that's what kind of turns like that second level of fans off from, you know, from. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So I, no, I, I totally agree. And, and like, just again, thinking off the top of my head at the college level, dude, it's so easy. You know, there's like a journalism major or media uh, major communications majors, you know, you go in there, you get some of those kids to like cover each event. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, whether they have a mic or however they're going to cover it, you got to keep the fans into it. Because the problem is, like, I go to a basketball game, I can see the score, I can see the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what's going on. You go to a track meet, you have no idea. Like, people are standing even watching the pole vault. They're like, what's the bar at? Who's in the lead? We don't even have, like, a scoreboard. You know what I mean? And it's like, these things were never developed because a lot of our track leadership never thought about it. I love, um, I've had Jason church on the podcast. He's a, um, a head coach at Southern regional and he, he actually coached a division two national champ uh, in the women's pole vault and even had a, a woman, uh, qualify for the 2000 Olympic trials, great coach. And he actually comes from a great track family. His, his father, Ed church was longtime head coach at Hackensack high school. He had a guy qualify, um, for the Olympic trials in the decathlon and, just a great, like, like in Bergen County, Ed church is one of the historic names of track and field. And I, I love what he said as an American, right? Like we're in America, you want to grab more fans. me stop talking about everything in metric. Like you, they Americans don't know what those numbers mean. And, and I remember Jason telling me, his dad was like at a diamond league meet or something back in the day. And he's like, why is this not in standard? Nobody in the stands knows what these things mean. Like five meters was five meters, right? Like you and I both know that because we're in the pole vault community. So it's like, okay, 16, four and a quarter or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's like, you want to use numbers that people will understand. And and we don't, we don't do that enough, you know?
1: Yeah, like uh, I remember transitioning from high school to college, just yeah. like as an athlete, I was like, Crab, what's going on? Like I was like, and that's that. I kind of like I liked it selfishly because I was like, oh well, I don't know what the bar's at, so I can't freak out that it's like you know only right. two inches below my PR because yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. metric system and whatever. But as a fan, like unless unless you know what those, unless you're in the the biz, at least in yeah. the United States, you're not gonna get that. Like you're just not gonna right. know. Hey, when somebody throws twenty two meters, I don't know how far is that? Uh, it's like oh, it's actually. 70 feet? I don't know. 77 feet. I have no idea. I'll just make it up. It might not even be close to that. Right. right yeah. I,
0: dude, I'm lost in the throws. If I watch a throws me and they're saying metric, I'm like, I don't know what this means. I'm, I'm constantly, I have like the conversion calculator on my phone yeah. and I'm like converting. I know it.
1: meters from four to six. Yeah. And then I know meters from 100 or from like 50 to like at like 1600 like okay. anything in between that no idea and I'm in the sport right and so just imagine the people that are watching like they yeah, know yeah. 400 meters is the length of a track or at least most people if you're watching track and field right 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 and then that's about it it's like 100 yeah. meters 400 meters and then okay you lost me after that yeah 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 a
0: hundred percent um yeah I, I don't know so I, I guess uh, to, to wrap things up mm-hmm. I mean again I just I don't understand why track leadership sometimes makes the decisions they make. I, I do think, and maybe I'm wrong. And I literally, when I post this on Twitter, I'm going to tag like NJSA. I'm going to tag world athletics. IAAF. Maybe someone from there will watch this, but like, I, I don't know if it's just because they come from a distance background and they just care about distance. You know what I mean? But even, Oh, there's another thing. Someone DM me today. And they were like, oh, you know, Bronco, like, I just want to let you know, they're going to allow gymnastics in New Jersey. So you're going to allow gymnastics where everybody's touching apparatuses or landing on this and that. But Mm pole vault can't happen. And it's like, again, so it's like, I don't know that this was mandated, let's say, from someone in the state who generalizes in all the sports. or No, this was clearly a track decision that they're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it in a safe way. We're going to eliminate these events. And it's like these events did not have to be eliminated. They, they could stand. And, you know, what I really love about this podcast, uh, you know, is that I think we covered the gamut of how this track leadership has a poor, you know, uh, impact on our entire sport from high school, college, and even professionally. And there has to be a mentality shift. Like people have to think about it in a, in a different way.
1: Yeah, to me, it feels like uh, it's like an out of fate, an out of sight, out of mind is how all non-distant events are like treated a little bit. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, you don't deal with the pole vaulters. We're already kind of seen as those weirdos anyway, and so even though it's like the one that's the, one of the most exciting events, you know, we're kind of pushed off to the side, and so it's like, a, oh, if we just if we just don't look at the problem then we're good. Like we're, we're, we're fine. And so if we just, you know, if we just don't look at the fact that, Hey, all of these thousands of vaulters that, I mean, not even to get into this conversation, but are paying a lot of money to compete because pole vaulting is by far the most expensive sport to compete in. And so now you're going to say, okay, yeah, I know you just bought this entire line of poles last year. Sorry. That's, that's $10,000 you can't get now that school's never going to get pole vault funding ever again, but that's a whole new conversation. Don't need to to bring up. And it's just like, I feel it's like, Hey, let's make sure ours, our stuff. And you know, these running events are good. And then if the other, you know, if the other events can figure it out on their own, like good for them, but you know, this is what we're focusing on. It's, it's upsetting because we, it feels like you don't have a, you know, a footing in the conversation or a step in the door.
0: Yeah. No, well, look, I'm sure we'll do plenty more podcast episodes yeah. together in the future. Um, this one is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, if people want to follow your podcast or your Instagrams, uh, you know, just uh, you want to mention where, how they can find you?
1: Yeah. So you uh, have... Two different shows. The one that uh, Bronco is on, Innovators Anonymous, just finished up season one Uh, just this past December. We're going to be starting up season two in 2021. That's innovators.anonymous. I also have another podcast called Track World News, where uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we're going to have this interview also as an exclusive coming up uh, in the near future. Uh, That's also on Instagram at Track World News, where Obviously, we talk about everything track and field and a little bit pole vault bias because obviously you got yeah. my stuff. So, hey, if you're looking for any content like that, you want to hear me yell about pointless things. Uh, go follow. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> um, do you have a Twitter yet? Uh, I do, but not. I don't really use it that much. It's Track World News. Also, I'm, I got to get onto it. It's it's yeah, hard to. I'm trying I, to. I'm trying to get onto it, but
0: yeah. I, I kind of like just use Twitter to like post like Hey, this is up." but it's great to just kind of like just pass through Twitter and see what, like you almost have your ears to the railroad tracks to see what's
1: happening. I'm starting to make one. I'm starting to get a little more consistent with it, but it can, you know, it's hard with trying to juggle this. and the No, 100%. Yeah,
0: 100%. Um, And, you know, for everybody out there listening, thank you for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Again, you can uh, find us on uh, at The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and if you like the episode, please subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. And if you have any comments or questions, as always, uh, just email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed it.